Everybody said praise the Lord. It's good to be with you this morning. Let's take this opportunity to lift our hearts with our hands and pray, shall we? Father God, I praise and love you and I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house to worship you, Lord God, in spirit and in truth. Let your holy hand rest upon us, O God. Open our understanding, I pray. Lead and guide us into all truth. We give you great praise and great thanks for all that you have done. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. First Timothy this morning. First Timothy chapter 1. I would like to begin reading with verse 14. I'll tell you what, we'll even go back to verse 13. First Timothy 1 and 13. Let's take a good look at God's Word. All right. This is the Apostle Paul, and he is being inspired to write this uh, message. So let's pay attention. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.13, Who was before a blasphemer, and a persecutor, and injurious. But I, Paul said, obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everybody said, hallelujah. hallelujah. Verse 16, Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. I want to challenge you this morning to take the Apostle Paul as your pattern, as your pattern this morning, as your example, something for you to follow, not maybe so much on the saved side, but on coming out of the lost side into the saved side, picking up the pattern there. I like all the pattern after, of course. But uh, let's get first things first. You can be seated. The Lord bless you. The Bible teaches you very plainly in the book of Acts that this man by the name of Saul, that he was breathing out threatenings and slaughterings. He was, I don't know if he was on a horse, but in, mentally he was on a high horse. And he was uh, in, a, in possession of letters of authority. He felt very justified in what he was doing. He was backed by the religion that he was a part of. He had no knowledge whatsoever or experience of salvation. And there is a very big difference between religion and salvation. And his religion, he called it the religion of the Jews. That's what he called it. And that he was, apparently, he also felt like at that time that he was brought up after the perfect manner of the law. And that he was sat at the feet of a famous teacher or rabbi known as Gamaliel. And that he learned so many things and he said that he was exceeding zealous for that which he was a part of. There are many people that get cranked up over religion, and furthermore, they get ramped and boosted up over a fight. And they can't look like do nothing until there's some kind of fight comes about, some kind of disagreement, something that the enemy can stir up, and then all of a sudden, whoo, they've got their zeal knows no end. And that get up and go that had once got up and went, well, it's returned with a great passion and vengeance. And they begin to 
uh, go about to do things that are most definitely ungodly. Uh, their speech becomes hard. Uh, their spirit becomes rotten. And yet, to hear them tell it, they're just wonderful. But this man, in all of that way, he finds himself with his face in the hot, burning desert sand because he was on the road to Damascus, a city, and there, in route, the Lord causes a great light about noon, but it was brighter, described by Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, uh, when he had this great change come over him. And as he said, it was brighter than the noonday sun, above the brightness of the midday sun. Now he finds himself calling out, Who art thou, Lord? All of a sudden, the air has been let out of his balloon. The wind is taken out of his sail. And he is adrift. And he's just flopped out on the ground. I saw a man one time, we were building a building, and lots of strange things will take place when you're in a building program. Many spirits will rise up beginning, during, and after, <laughs> they'll be there. And they, the enemy wants to halt the work of God. He wants to cause any kind of confusion and upheaval that he can to get people, shall we say, in a very uh, idle position or in a uh, going off on a tangent somewhere and lose the direction and lose the purpose. And this man was a, uh, he was an electrical contractor. And at that time, as we were building, we had need of an electrical contractor. And he came on the scene, and he began to work on the church and uh, directing different ones and having, through the plans, he had the overall concept of what needed to be done electrically. And uh, he wasn't a very tall fellow. And, uh but he threw his voice around, and one day he just, he just went too far. And he made some very nasty statements and very harsh, and hard statements in throwing his voice around. And the next thing I knew, he was laying flat on the ground on his back and telling everybody, don't touch me, don't touch me, just leave me alone. And uh, he suffered an apparent heart attack of some kind, and it just, when I tell you it knocked the wind out of him, it knocked the wind out of him, and he was, he was a young individual, I'd say he was between 35 and 39 years of age, and um, it, it definitely, I was brand new in the Lord, and it got my attention, what his attitude and his statements, much like this man, Saul, who was breathing out threatening and slaughtering, who was trying to interfere with the work of God. And now he is telling the Lord as he's been knocked to the ground, who are you and what will you have me to do? And of course, Jesus in his kindness and also having divine purpose for this individual, he said, I'm Jesus. and You're persecuting me. In other words, I'm going to put it in perspective for you, and hopefully you're going to believe what, who I am and what I'm saying so that you won't argue with me anymore. And uh, next question was, what will you have me to do? Seemed to be a, a bit of a change of attitude. Suddenly all of the things that he had built up, all the rationalizations and all of the excuses and all of the things that he felt like gave him a measure of justification in doing what he was doing, going in the direction that he was going. All of that now suddenly loses its luster. All of the plans and the ideas and the actual diabolical, shall we say, plans that he had to fight the work of God. You know, for people to, to actually fight, you have to tell yourself that they're in the grips of a bad spirit. There is no justification to fight the work of God, to fight the man of God, to try to thwart 
to try to throw a stumbling block in the, in the path of somebody that is trying to do the work of the Lord and somebody who has got a balance to them. It's not enough for you to be sincere, for you to try to serve the Lord sincerely. It is not enough for you to do that, even as it's not enough for you to only be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, bringing you the salvation of God. That's not enough. You've got to stay saved. You've got to obey Romans to Revelation. You can't come to the book of Acts and get this great, oh, so great salvation and then tell yourself, I got it. That's it for me. I'm checking out now. Don't need anything else. That's not true. Any more than it is enough for you to be sincere. As I tell you, the graveyard is filled with people who are sincere, but they did not couple it with truth. You've got to serve the Lord in sincerity and in truth. You cannot get out of balance on that. Lots of people are sincere in what they do, but what they're doing isn't necessarily right in God's eyes. Saul was very sincere in what he was doing, but friend, he wasn't doing it right. And the Lord said, I'm going to set you up for a pattern. I'm going to make you a model. I'm going to, to set you forth like a blueprint. And I'm going to show sinners out there, people who are just like you, who have a bad attitude, who are fighting against me, enemies in their wicked, carnal minds, and going about doing their thing and trying to use some kind of religion as an excuse and a justification. And the Lord said, I'm going to show you as, an, as a pattern here. I'm going to show you, as he stated, the chiefest of sinners. I'm the chief sinner here. And, and he came to realize in all of his religion, his attitude was wrong. In all of his, his going about with all of his uh, things that he had learned along the way. And boy, people can learn some things, let me tell you. But you better learn the right spirit along with it. You better get the right attitude along with it. And this fellow was sincere, but he was going about it sincerely wrong. And he was displeasing God, while all the while he thought he was pleasing God. And the Lord stepped on the scene, and the Lord slapped him down when nobody else could get through to him. When he wouldn't listen to anybody else, he wouldn't pause and reflect. Isn't that what the psalmist would constantly bring to you on the strum of his harp? And it would, it would tell you that word salah, which meant to pause, reflect, and think on this. Don't let this run through one ear and out the other. Don't bypass all the signals that are coming your way. Don't allow yourself to shut down all of your spiritual senses and just have your own ideas and ways about things. No, you want to you wanna stop here a minute. You want to pause and reflect. You want to slow the trolley or the wagon down a little bit here. Take a good, fresh, clean, clear, prayerful look. What's going on here? Where am I going? What am I doing? Here you have people that are worshiping Jesus Christ. You have people that have got their hands in the air. You've got people that are calling out the name of Jesus Christ. You have people that are baptizing and in the name of Jesus Christ. You have people that are receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and being renewed in the gift of the Holy Ghost. You have people lives have been and are continually being changed for the good, that the old habits are passing away and the, and the new is coming on from the Spirit of the Lord. You have people that no longer want to be involved in their worldly recreational lifestyle that has kept them going away from the Lord and too busy for the Lord and too involved with so many other things, always so energy for something else, always time to go do something else, but never time really for the Lord, never time to get their mind on what's, what's important, what's eternal what is out in front of us. Never had time for that. But now, that's changed. Now they're dropping their nets. Now they're walking away from all kinds of different things in their heart that they no longer care about those things. 
they're no longer excited. They've lost their zeal and enthusiasm for those things, you know. And before when they would get up early in the morning to go fishing, now they're getting up early in the morning to start praying to catch fish, all right, but it was the souls of men. Something's been redirected here. Something has, has come into their heart that has given them a higher calling and a higher purpose. And they're, they're awakening. To the, and, and yet this man is fighting them. This man is, is trying to thwart them. This man is trying every way he can to trip them up. And uh, the time has come now. And the Lord said, I'm going to deal with him. So much so that when he has called, he has found out that the name of the Lord is Jesus Christ. And he has found that he has been fighting against. And he is being told that you're to go to a certain place. It will be told thee what you must do. Not what you want to do, but what you must do. That you're going to learn some subjection to authority. You're going to subject yourself to my word. You're going to get in line with the teachings here. And that you're going to uh, get rid of the ego, you know. And it's going to be God's will, not your will. And so, in so doing, he is led to this certain city, to this certain house on this certain street called Straight. And that at the same time, God is dealing with the preacher to come over, lay hands on this guy, and begin to pray for him. And this preacher doesn't even want to go, and the region doesn't want to go, because he's heard of how much evil... This man is done. He don't want to get anywhere near him. But he's, God has let him know that it's okay. I've taken care of him. I've got him softened up for you. Not going to be any problem now. Okay. So he goes in obedience and he lays hands on him. Even, even most uh, uh, with using wisdom, brother Saul, you know, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto him. And he tells him, receive thy sight. And the Bible said, Man must have been a, a man of good faith because the Bible said the same hour. I don't know, 59 minutes and 59 seconds had gone by since he said, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. Some people have to have everything at the pop of a switch, the flip of a switch, the pushing of a button, and God doesn't always work that way. There are times when the Bible used the word anon, meaning immediately, or the word straightway. There are times when God does that, but there are times when there is a passage of time, and, and that even can get checked on. We read how that the Lord healed a certain individual, and the man that asked for the healing, uh, that he checked at what time it took place. And it timed out to be right at that time when it all the request and the answer to the request had come. And I'm telling you that the Lord does things in His own time and in His own way. And He's going to test your faith. He's going to see if you're going to quit that easily, throw in the towel that easily. I've seen, I told a lawyer the other day, I said, David said, answer me speedily. And do you know within 24 hours God answered that, that thing that I was thinking about? And I'm telling you, I said, wow, that was really speedily. Well, let me tell you, I wasn't even expecting it. Oh, me of little faith, I wasn't expecting it at all. But I'm telling you what, there's a time for you and I to realize that God has his way. There's other times when God's made me wait a long time. But whatever he wills is good. He will slip up on you and sneak one by you every once in a while. I read where Jeremiah said that the Lord hid it from him. So the Lord has his way of doing it. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And so we have to, we're reaching up here. Uh, just like the little woman that made her way through a tremendous crowd, a crowd of thoughts, a crowd of people, a crowd with their own wishes and their own ideas and their own directions that they're going and things they want to do and their own hidden agendas, their ulterior motives. And she's trying to make her way through all of that, you know. And how did David say it? One thing, one thing. For you to real begin to realize that there can be a collection of one things that are important, that really matter, that you can start out the night before and setting everything out for the next day's importance, one things that you've got before you, and that these are spiritual things. These are things of the Holy Ghost. And you're going to say that I'm not going to let 24 hours go by, but what this is, these, these collections, this set of one things is going to be accomplished. I'm going to see to that. I'm going to see to that. For example, on Saturday night, at some time that you begin to ramp it down, and you begin to say, okay, I've got to start getting everything lined up, because tomorrow 
school Sunday. Tomorrow is Sunday school. Tomorrow is two services. I got to start getting everything lined up. I'm making a conscious effort here. You know, I'll tell you what, we have man up prayer. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're rolling out early in the morning, uh, I don't want to be stumbling around looking for stuff. I want everything right where I can just kind of fall into it or whistle and it jumps on me and I can get out the door. That's how I want it to be. And so I, I, I make a conscious effort, you know, to do that. And, uh, and, and, and it works. And I want it to work like it should work because I don't want anything else pulling my attention. And I can tell the minute. I'll tell my wife every once in a while, I said, honey, it's time to go. And then I'll, a couple of minutes later I'll go, you're walking in circles. You know, and that means that we're not quite getting where we want to go on time like we want to be. And uh, I find myself doing that sometimes, and I'll say to myself, I feel it. And I say, okay, you're starting to walk in circles. Come on, let's get going. You know, I don't want to waste those seconds. I don't want to waste those minutes. I don't want to let this time get by me, and I'll be, I'll be pulling up late. I'll be starting off late. I've got to get this going. We have to tell ourselves, as David said, one thing. We've got to nail, if you don't do anything else, nail that one thing down. What might that be? Let me arise and pray. Let me arise and call on the name of the Lord. Let me begin to look into the book. Let me begin to walk in the Spirit. Let me begin to realize it's a spiritual thing that should be the priority in my life. In my life. How many? 168 hours in a week. 168 hours in a week. And I begin to spend more and more of those 168 hours doing it for the Lord, doing something for God, somehow, some way. And if I can't, for uh, circumstances and situations that are present in my life, and that's going to happen, at least let me, the time that I can do the one things that need to be done, let me do them with quality. Let that be quality time. I was telling a, a father here that visited a preacher here, and I said, I said, you need to spend more time with your children. And when you do that, I said, I know you're busy, and I know there's lots of things going on. And I said, and, and those are justifiable things, because uh, those are connected spiritual church things. I said, but when you have that time, I said, you just need to make it count. You need to make it count. Well, we need to make our time with the Lord count. We need to make that quality time. We need to shut some other things off and down. And just like the Bible teaches you to, when it's time to pray, enter into the closet, shut the door. That I'm going to shut down other things. And, and believe me when I tell you, the enemy, he pulls out his machine gun friend and he starts shooting all kinds of thoughts into your mind while you're trying to get alone with God. And he's going to bring every kind of thing up and you've got to rebuke that. And you've got to tell yourself, this is my time to spend with the Lord. This is my time to think about the eternal and the eternal things. These are things that we have to strive to. We have to strive for this. We have to make a conscious effort about these things. Lest you find yourself going in circles. I, I saw in the newspaper, it's been probably a couple of years ago, and I actually had a picture and on the floor, they had a big circle. And inside the circle, they had lanes, like you had taken a, uh, an oval from a racetrack uh, where they run track, and that they shrunk it down to a, not an oval, but made it a circle. And you had all these circular tracks, lanes going on in there. And people would walk around in that small circle, and supposedly they were praying. And I think all they were doing was walking in circles. They didn't have the truth, probably sincere about what they were doing, but nonetheless, they didn't have truth. They just had their little religion that somehow they were trying to come up with some kind of idea how to uh, attract people and keep their people interested. Well, you know, we've got a, a book here that's got everything in it we need. This book is the Bible. It is the mind of God revealed through the church. And if we will look to the Word of God and we will begin to practice what the Bible is teaching, if we will begin to make those things our priority, it doesn't matter how young or how old you are, or anywhere in between. There's no better time to get started than right now. There's no better time to begin to fine-tune it and improve it than right now. Did you ever see those guys when they go down the big ski slope and they go up that ramp and off they go? And I'm remembering from many, many, many years ago, but or pictures in the paper, but, you know, they're dressed in this aerodynamic uh, suit and they're just straight out in the air, hundreds of feet up in the air, and they've got two little skis on them 
and their, and their hands are back and everything is focused going forward and, and they're, they're trying to get rid of drag. They're trying to get rid of gravity. They're trying to get rid of the things that hold you down and they're trying to fly through the air, friend, to get as much length as they can out of that jump. How about you and I and the Holy Ghost? Can, how much can I get out of a service? How much can I get out of prayer? How much can I get out of that sermon? How much can I get out of this worship to God? Can I drop the weights? Lay aside every weight and be sin. Would that so easily beset us? Can I set that stuff aside? Can I, can I soar for Jesus? Can I begin to, to drop things off, dropping the weights? That guy's not going down around a track with weights on his ankles for the real race. He's not going to try to go up that ramp and, and make a long jump with weights all over him. He's going he's gonna to get that stuff off of him. Okay? And so much more so, here we are running for the Lord. You read that in your Bible. It is a race that is set before us, and we want to lay aside every weight. There are things that you can argue about or that you could stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. If not anything else, at the very least, this is a weight. It's a weight I don't need. It's something that will just slow me down. It's something that will distract me. It is something that will infiltrate my mind and cause me all kinds, uh, endless amount of confusion and, and distraction. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of this. I'm going to lay this aside. Not everything could be called sin. But there's a lot of things that can be called a weight. And a weight leads to sin. It's the in-between step. It's the next step along the path to heading towards sin. It's like going through a door that takes you to go through the next door. And that door leads you through another door. And after a while, you're going to find yourself at that destination known as sin. You'll be transgressing. You'll become a transgressor. How much better to tell yourself, I'm going to lay aside. This is a weight. I see that I perceive. You have to ask yourself, if I get something started, if I allow something, then where's it going to lead me to? I've read in the Bible, and you have too, and we've certainly preached it, that the Holy Ghost, my friend, will lead and guide you into all truth. The Holy Ghost is not going to take you in the wrong direction and leads you towards sin, okay? The Holy Ghost is not going to do that. He's going to lead you into all truth. And everybody said amen. amen. Let's give God a big hand. I want, uh, I'd like for you to see the pattern here that we've got a man who's filled with all kinds of ideas, and he's going all over the place and feeling so good about what he's doing and about himself. But the, he, the, abs, the absolute truth of the matter is that the one great true eternal God whom he thought he would be serving and doing service to was looking at him and saying, mm, no, nah, not accepting this. Who's that remind you? Doesn't it remind you of Cain? Cain came and he brought the fruit of the ground and he thought, man, I'm, I'm really going I'm to show, show my brother Abel that he ain't got nothing. I got a better idea. Man, that Abel, he's so old-fashioned, and he just, he just ain't getting it done. Let me show you how to do it. And, friend, he come in there with all his basket of fruits and dumped it out there before the altar, and the Lord said, mm-mm, mm-mm, not doing that, not taking that. Nope, that's not right. And, boy, the Bible said Cain's countenance fell. And, man, you looked at him, and you, you saw madness. You saw anger. You saw bitterness. You, you saw absolutely upset in every way, shape, and form. And the Bible teaches you, the Scriptures teach you, that the Lord looked at him and said, Why are you upset? Why are you wrong? Why are you mad? He said, All you got to do is take your brother's example because I've, I've confirmed that what he has done is right because however he got the right formula, he got it. However, you have come to the knowledge of being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You have come to the correct way. However, you came to hear that and to get the opportunity to acknowledge that is truth. You have done the right thing. And God blesses that because it's his word, because it's what he stands by, because it's what he said. And his word is immutable. 
His word is unchangeable. You hear me? And God, who cannot lie, has made it clear that when you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, it is for the remission of all of your sins. And I'm telling you, this man that absolutely had been fighting the name of Jesus Christ, fighting the church, fighting the work of God, and how could anybody claim to, I, I told you that I, somebody told me they, they saw a track, and, and they got, I guess they were so disgusted with it, they balled it up and threw it away, and I never got to see it. I wanted to see it. And, and they said that the track was declaring that why the devil loves Acts 2.38. In other words, saying that Acts 2.38 is of the devil. And I'm, I'm saying, wait a minute, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. How in the world can you pull a Scripture out and call it of the devil and say that the devil loves it? And, and yet people do these things. People have religion that, that they're so filled with all kinds of contradictions in their mind. I've had a, I had a guy that claimed to be a preacher on the radio here at the post office, and he was trying to tell me that Peter was the rock. If Peter was the rock, we're all in trouble, friend. God did not build his church upon a man. God built his church upon the Messiah. God built his church upon the revelation of who he is. Amen. Amen. The Bible tells you he is the rock. Right in your Bible. He is the rock. Amen. He is the rock. Woo! Come on now. Yes, sir. Things right in the Bible. But people will, will shut their eyes and shut down their ears and their mind to it. And they, they just, you know, they just have to throw out their statements, you know, I just don't believe. Stuff like that. Well, that's what's going to put people in the wrong place. Unbelief. That you just don't believe it. That you just won't listen. Or that you just will not act on what you're being commanded to do. You know? And the Lord is kind to ask. The Lord is kind to plead. The Lord is kind to open his arms, figuratively speaking, out wide and, and welcome people and call people to the church of the living God, to the scriptures. He's so kind to open your understanding. He's so kind. Uh, can you imagine the Bible said to stoop down to us who are of low estate and, and that he in the heavens above and the heavens of the heavens cannot contain him and yet he reached down to us who are so small and so insignificant. He was mindful of us, not just as an overall group, but individually. He is mindful of us. He's mindful of you, and he's given you this opportunity, and you need to see about the riches of his grace, the riches of his grace. That's the riches you need to be thinking about. Forget about the money. Forget about people needing the money. You better get your mind on this chapter and verse and the riches of God's grace. Christ that's made available to you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> People make me laugh. They get all stirred up about, about money, and I'm like, you better understand where the money came from. Amen. Amen. God, my friend, is behind it all. You ever read in your Bible about the devil fighting over the, the body of Moses? Got in a big fuss over Moses' body. And, and I'm trying to tell you that uh, you might want to wake up to what's important here. People start fighting over things that, that are uh, insignificant. Uh, what did the, what was the, the Lord said to one individual in this case uh, over all the things that he was laying up in store? And he said, yeah, well, thou fool, right now, this night, thy soul is required of thee and then everything you're so worried about, people fighting about, what's going to happen then? Not going to matter one whit. One thing have I desired. One thing is important. The one thing encompasses being baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, serving the one true God in sincerity and in truth, and making each day count. Each day to count. Everybody's always got an idea. Everybody's always going to have. I remember a guy calling down here wanting to know if I would contact somebody in our congregation because he wanted to raise ostriches to harvest the ostrich feathers. I know, you're looking at me. I, I felt the same way. I'm sure my, my jaw was, you know. I was, uh, and the guy claimed to be a preacher. Claimed to be a preacher. Claimed to know the truth. As a matter of fact, at one time I do remember going to a church he was, Starting to uh, was asked to try to preach at, and I, I remember going there and actually preaching for him in a rally. 
And now the years had gone by, and here's this guy in a completely different place, and he's raising ostriches or wanting to. And he wanted financing for them, you know. And, uh, you know, people want to put you up to all kinds of things, you know. And uh, I'm sorry, you know, but I don't have I don't have time, money, energy, or desire for the things that people can come up with stuff. We're, we're I've had them ask me. Oh, I had a guy ask me the other day about something. And I said, "Man, you got the wrong guy." I said, "I don't do that stuff. I'm not involved with that kind of stuff." I said, "It's church with me." Do you understand that? Everything we do is built around the work of God. I'm not in real estate. I'm not in banking. I'm not in these different uh, projects to raise money. I'm in the church. I'm in the body of Christ. I'm going to heaven, and I want to bring people with me. Amen. Amen. The devil would just like to weight you down. He'd just like to distract you. You know, people are always going to have an idea. Always going to have an idea. You know, the Lord's given us favor down the street with um guy that owns a little thrift store on the corner, Avenue A, and uh, so much so. And we have witnessed to him, and, and he has a, a, a certain knowledge of truth. And uh, my wife dubbed him Uncle. His name is Dwight. She calls him Uncle Dwight. And he's been very good to the church. He has, he has uh, passed some things through from him for us to put in a yard sale and, and uh, fundraisers and what have you. And, uh, you know, I, I'm very happy about Uncle Dwight, very happy about him and, 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 and the feeling that he's getting towards the church and the truth and the work of God. But I'm going to tell you what. I don't need anybody showing up to, to Uncle Senior Pastor here and, you know, uh, wanting ostrich feathers harvested or some other crazy uh, scheme out there that people come up with. You know, I'm interested here. If you want to talk to me about winning souls and building new churches and planting those buildings in, in new areas and new fields, then I'm, I hope to be your man. But if you're going to come by and you got a get-rich-quick scheme, I'm, I'm no part of that. Do you hear me? We're not about getting rich. We're only the riches of His grace. Only the riches of the power of his might. Those are the specific, those are the true riches. The work of God. That's what I'm about. You hear me? That's what I'm about. You got people that say, oh, yeah, yeah, well, God too, that too. No, not that too. That only. That one thing. If you don't ever get to it, you never will get to it. Oh, no. The, the foolish. The foolish. Man, they never got to it. They never got the Holy Ghost. They kept pushing it off and putting it off and putting it off until it got put off, until it was too late. I don't care how young or how old you are. Right now is a great time for you to just say, okay, I'm going to focus in on this one thing, and this is what I'm going to do. You know there are people. There are people in jail. There are people in Asylums. There are people in hospitals. There are people in nursing homes that would just love to get to come to church. They would just love, you know, to be able to come through these doors. And you are here and you have the opportunity. You have the privilege. You have breath in your body. You have presence of mind. You're here. Let's make the most of it. Let's make the most of it. You know, when I was a young man, uh, that was just a couple of years ago, I was, um, I, no, seriously, as, as a young man, I remember being in high school, and uh, I actually may have been junior high, and I remember I was in a race, uh, a relay race, and I had the, I had the last leg of the race. And, um, and uh, I remember coming around the curve, friend, and, uh, but I heard somebody in the stands that I knew and I heard that young man, and he was just egging me on, egging me on. And, you know, that encouragement that came helped me to run faster. It helped me to focus on what I was doing and have what they call that finishing kick. You know, somebody said about coming to church after work one night, they said they had to come get their kick. <laughs> well, okay, good, good for you. Come get whatever you call it, but come get it. <laughs> come get it, okay? Come get your renewing. Come get your finishing kick. We're, we're, we're in the end of the last days here. And you may personally be in the end of your last days, no matter what your chronological age is. You just don't know. 
But you can tell yourself, I got to finish this right. I got to run this right. I got I to gotta put the finishing touch to it. I, hey, Jesus was a finisher. Do you know that? Jesus was a finisher. On the cross, 8 to 5, beat up, bloody, sweating, dying of, a, of, a, of asphyxiation. And he said, I, it is finished. He brought this thing to conclusion. A successful conclusion. Regardless of what it looked like, he stayed with it. You might want to think about the same thing. It's not always going to be fair weather. It's not always going to look pretty. I had one individual, everything had to be pretty. I said, God doesn't always do pretty. Sometimes it's muddy. <laughs> you got to realize it's a war for your soul. We're in a war. We're battling against spirits here, spiritual wickedness in high places. This isn't about you playing some little dollhouse thing. Some little pretty, okay? He fought with the bulls of Bashan. You know, there were there were bulls that were coming, like spirits that were coming against him. So we've got a battle here. We've got a job to do, and we've got all the more reason to focus on what the Bible called the just one. Capital, proper noun, title, just one. Didn't say just three, did it? Said just one. The just one. I like that. I like how the Bible just sees it all through. Every time. Every time. Religion and man and the devil would like to put in, you know, three or more. But God tells you, I don't want no other God before me. And he said, I don't know any other God beside me. There just isn't one. So quit trying to do that. They want to take titles. You know, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Well, why not add on Savior and keep going? You can get a bunch of titles. You can add, you can have all kinds. You'll be out of fingers and toes. But Father, Son, Holy Ghost is fine. I have no problem with those titles. They're fine. Well, th then we've got, and, and they want to call him a trinity. But then we've got the serpent, the devil, Satan. Is he a trinity? You hear anybody calling him a trinity? No, of course not. Then don't call God a trinity. Okay, He has many titles, but they all belong to the same one God. They all belong to the same one God. Amen. He's the Father in creation. He showed himself as the Son visibly in redemption on the cross, and he shows himself as his Holy Spirit in salvation in the church, the body of Christ. All the same God. All the same God. Why should that be a strange thing to you, that the invisible God could show himself in the flesh, that he could speak the word and produce flesh and inhabit that flesh to the fullness, that he didn't put a half a glass of himself in that body, he put the fullness of himself in that body, and that, that's why that body could speak up and say, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. That's why he could say, destroy this body, this temple. He said, for three days, I'm coming up out of there. That's the same spirit that's leaving me. The same spirit is going to raise me up. The one God. The one God. Amen. The Son is nothing but a reference to the flesh or the body. That's all. Amen. Where is that body? Well, the Bible said it's been glorified. Raised up and glorified, ascended up into heaven, and it'll be retained until the restitution of all things. Amen. And that's what your Bible says. Because through that, in that glorified body will be the presence of the Lord revealed, the one true eternal spirit and God. And everybody said amen. amen. He is the just one. You can play that both ways. He's the just meaning that everything is correct with him, everything is balanced with him, everything is righteous with him, and that every, every judgment that he makes will be right and just. He is the just one. And he's also just one. All right? That's the truth of it. Everybody said amen. Everybody. We've got a pattern here that we can take. A man that fought, man or woman, the spirit of it, fought, was against, railing, just saying all kinds of things, doing all kinds of things. But the Lord said, I'm going to use you for an example. And there's going to, you're going to be a pattern. Many, many people just like you are going to wake up 
They're going to, the, the Word of God, the church, the body of Christ is going to bring them to their knees. Spirit of the Lord. And in so doing, they're going to awaken to righteousness. They're going to find out who I am, that I am Jesus. And they're going to find out what they need to do. And the Bible said in Acts 22 and 16 that as the preacher prayed for him, even as I pray for you, he said, why are you, why are you dragging around? Why are you tarrying? He said, arise. Let's do that right now. Let's stand together. He said, arise and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. Is there anybody here that is confused about who or what is the name of the Lord? Let's all say it together. Jesus. We all know that, don't we? Then why tarriest thou? You should be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and thereby you'll be calling upon the name of the Lord, even as the apostle, the man that became the apostle Paul, set forth as a pattern and a model and an example for you. You don't need the model of the newspapers and the magazines in Hollywood and Paris and New York. You need the Bible pattern. You need the Bible model. You need that for your role model. Okay? Everybody said Amen. Give God a big hand. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I don't want to be like all the athletes and the sports figures. I don't want them for my role model. I don't want the motocross champions or the hang gliding champions or the surfing champions. These are not my role models. I don't want the models of the magazines or the television or the uh, movies and the videos. Don't want them. Don't want, don't want the children to be wanting to be like them. Those don't need to be our role models. We want the patterns right here that are in the Word of God. Let this become your television. Let this become your DVD. Let this become the book that you put your face in. You know? And, and if you want a Twitter, all you got to do is pray. And you tell God all about it. Everything. Amen, and amen, and amen, and amen. Thank God. Let's get about the one thing here that's really important. Everybody said praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There's much better patterns and examples in here for you than's out there in the world. You hear me? You don't need Beyonce. You don't need Rihanna. You don't need Madonna. You don't need any of them. Or any others like them. You certainly don't need the wine house whose house went out of, got out, went out of wine. Gone. Should have got the new wine, right? See, the new wine won't hurt you. The new wine won't destroy your mind, your brain cells. You know the young man that came to church here? He came here many, many years ago. And instead of living for God, he went back to the same old, same old. And he drank, and he drank, and he drank, and he drank, and he'd be calling family members all the time to come pick him up because he's so drunk in a bar that he couldn't see his way out the door, much less how to drive home. And they'd always have to go get him. And no, you know what? He made it to 53 years of age. That's not very old, is it? He made it to 53 years of age, and his liver burst unexpectedly. Shouldn't be unexpectedly, should it? Because if you're drinking liquor and if you're doing drugs, you're destroying your inside organs. And that's what happened. And that liver just burst. And he died instantaneously at 53 years of age. I was just told this Friday. How sad. He was our neighbor. How sad. How sad. Let me tell you something. You want to you get the right role model here. You want to start looking at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Peter, James, and John. You want to start looking at Mary, the mother of the flesh, and the other devout women. Lydia and, and Phoebe and others that are in your Bible, you want to start seeing what they were about and how they did it and pattern yourself after them. Take that pattern that is first set forth there for you to, to see what God can do with your life in the time in which you're living. Everybody said amen. amen. Let's give God a big hand. Come on. Let's worship Him. Oh, yeah.
praises to the one who saved us through his blood. He 